We're going on holiday for the next seven weeks. A little bit out of the ordinary, and in our imagination, we are invited to travel. I think it's probably the South Pole. I don't think there's any huts in the North Pole, but the, the video we will be using most weeks has a, a hut from which the stories are told. And when we go on holiday, sometimes things are a little bit different from what they are at home, a little bit different from the ordinary, and that can be a little bit intimidating. But it can also be quite exciting if we actually allow ourselves to experience a different culture and a different place. So I just ask you to keep that in mind as you come to worship. I appreciate for some people it's a bit, what the blazes is going on here this morning. I get that. I understand that. I just invite you to try and treat it as a holiday, to come with the attitude that you would take with you on holiday. This could be exciting. This could be something very special. All the usual elements of the service will be there. It's just that at one point in the service, we, and I'll explain when we get to it, we actively choose how we explore the theme a little more in depth. We're going to begin our worship this morning by singing hymn number 517 in the hymn book. The words will also appear on the screen, which picks up the theme of hope that runs through our service this morning. going to come to God in prayer. I will lead us in a short prayer and after that you are invited if you would like to to join in saying the Lord's Prayer in whatever language or form is familiar. Let's pray together. God of this time and of all times, we meet in the name of Jesus inspired by your spirit to offer our worship and praise. There are no words by which we can adequately describe the wonder of who you are or all that you mean to us, but even so, we try. We give you thanks for this day, a precious gift offered freely and without expectation for us to experience and to enjoy. We give you thanks for our continuing lives, imperfect though they are and not without challenges, but given to us that we might flourish and grow. 
We give you thanks for the privileges we experience each day, living in a stable nation where most enjoy more than adequate access to shelter, food and basic care. We thank you for this summer holiday season, an opportunity to lay down some of our regular activities and to slow down just a little. Above all, we thank you for your love for us and for all creation, expressed in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so following his example, we join together in the words he taught his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. where I kind of do my Valdunican impression and I can't do the accent. The Polar Explorers video has a husky. You could buy a husky for £200 or you could dig in the cupboard and get out Millie at cost of nothing. So Millie is going to be my glamorous assistant for today. So I wonder, Millie, have you ever felt really, really sad? You have. So sad it hurt. Maybe your tummy felt a bit funny, or things kept going round and round in your head. Maybe you felt lost and frightened, and you wondered if you could ever, ever feel happy again. Was there any hope left? Maybe other people have felt like that too. Well, there's a story in the Bible about somebody who felt really, really sad and thought there was no hope left at all. His name was Cleopas. It all started out so well. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas had been really excited. They were going up to Jerusalem for the big festival. It's one of those dreams that everybody had. Next year in Jerusalem, they would say. And this time it really did happen. Full of wonder, they set off, eager to see the great temple and to pray with people from all over the world. And maybe, just maybe, they might get to listen to one of the famous rabbis in the temple courts. They travelled, hopefully. They laughed and they sang songs together. They chatted to travelling companions and they shared their dreams. There was a rabbi from the north called Jesus. Some people called him a prophet. And he seemed to be able to stand up to the big important people. He could make you laugh. He could make you feel that you mattered, even if you were a tiny small child, or a woman, or a foreigner. And he spoke of a new kingdom. Just maybe, might he be the one that the scriptures spoke about? Oh, how they hoped he might be. Arriving in Jerusalem, Cleopas and his wife met with their friends and they shared a Passover meal in a guest room. The same thing was happening all over the city. And they expected that somewhere not too far away, Jesus the rabbi and his followers would be saying the same prayers and singing the same songs. They were looking forward to hearing him speak in the temple. But tragedy struck. As Cleopas and his wife slept in the inn, soldiers made their way hurriedly out of the city into the garden where Jesus and his friends had gone to pray. The next thing Cleopas knew was the next morning when they set off to the temple and heard a rumour that was spreading. Jesus had been arrested and sentenced to die. 
his heart sank. His mouth went dry. He felt sick to the core. He glanced at his wife. She looked pale and tears coursed down her cheeks. All their plans were in tatters. They'd wanted to hear Jesus speak and now it was all too late. So they went back to the inn and wondered what to do next. They tried to have some dinner, but it just tasted like dust. They looked out the window, but Jerusalem had faded to grey. Jesus was dead and buried. It was over. Empty and bewildered, they packed up and began the long journey home along the long, dusty road. It would take three or four hours. They didn't get away as early as they'd liked, though, because the city was buzzing with a new rumour. The body was gone. Stolen? Well, maybe, but why? And then there were women who had reported an empty tomb and men going to check it out and strange claims about angels and messages. It was just too much. Let's just go home, shall we, said his wife. And Cleopas agreed. Normally, the warm sun would have been delightful, but today it was oppressive. Usually they'd look around and enjoy the scenery, listen to the birds, but today all they could see was the dust of the road. And they talked over and over and over, trying to make sense of it all. They didn't notice when a stranger came alongside them. And they were startled when suddenly he spoke. They stopped and looked around. And there was a man with a strange air of calm about him. How could he not know what had happened? Everyone was talking about it. So they did their best to explain. And they walked on. The stranger did most of the talking, it has to be said. Sharing words from the ancient prophets. Painting a picture that stretched through the whole of time. Of God's great love for all of creation. And how Jesus came to bring the words alive. The miles soon passed and they got home to Emmaus. As they neared their house, Cleopas' wife turned to the stranger, a very slight smile on her face, and said, It's getting late. Please come and stay at our house today. Maybe we can carry on this conversation over dinner. Soon, the smell of food filled the air. The three sat down to simple fare of bread and cheese and wine, and perhaps a bit of fruit. As was the custom, Cleopas asked the guest to give thanks. He lifted up the bread, uttered the words of blessing, and tore the bread. Cleopas turned to his wife, and she turned to him, their mouths open in surprise. Wonder? Shock? Disbelief? Could it be? It couldn't. Could it? They turned round, and the stranger was gone. Laughing now, they gathered their cloaks around them, abandoned their meal, and sped back along the road, seven miles in the dark. But now they didn't even notice. They laughed. They sang. They paused to hug each other. They cried tears of joy and how they talked and talked, recalling every word he'd said. When they got to Jerusalem, it was dark and most people were sleeping. And it took all their effort to keep quiet as they sought the house where the disciples would be staying. It was the one where a lamp still burned. And as they got closer, they could hear the rumble of voices. Tiptoeing, knocking on the door, they went in, blinking in the light, and listened wide-eyed to all that was being said. Then they shared their story as others listened to them. It had seemed that all was lost, 
but not now. Cleopas noticed his tummy turning little somersaults of joy, and his wife was crying happy tears. No one knew what would happen next, but they seemed to think that maybe there might be hope again. There just might be change in the lives of ordinary people. There just might come a day when war and fighting and sickness and poverty and hating would all stop. Perhaps one day, people of all nations and races and tribes could live together in peace. Maybe God did still have promises to fulfill. They didn't sleep much that night. They were too excited at all the possibilities. Too exhausted by their emotions. But they did feel just a little bit more alive. And they dared to believe that it just might be true. Jesus put a song into our hearts. I've just got to explain this one because the the words as printed are not quite as per the music book. Uh, Jesus put this song into our hearts. We sing twice. It's actually right on the screen. (laughs) Jesus put this song into our hearts. It's a song of joy no one can take away. Jesus put this song into our hearts. So if if you're using the sheet, you sing the first line twice and ignore the last line. If you're using the screen, just go with the screen. And if it all goes horribly wrong, it doesn't matter. Thanks, Sheila. have some recorded music playing whilst we choose for ourselves how we wish to continue to explore this theme. Some people think that craft is for children. Some people think that listening to a sermon is for grown-ups. But actually, Jesus had this irritating habit of mixing it all up a little bit. There is I think, a tendency, if we're honest, and I'm no different from anybody else, to come to church and just passively take what's delivered from the front. But it's also good sometimes to actively choose what we're going to do. So some music is going to play. It lasts around about two two minutes. It's called Highland Winter or something. And during that time, you're invited to go and have a look at what's on offer and then choose how you'd like to spend the next 20 minutes or so reflecting on this theme of hopelessness and hopefulness. So up on the mezzanine with um, Emma to help facilitate, and Drew's going to help her as well, we have a creative area where you can go and use, make yourself a hope stone if you would like to, to take home. In the snug area at the back, we have some word searches and some puzzles 
We have a printout of the, what the Bible actually tells of the story, not how I told the story, but what the Bible actually says. If that's helpful to go and, and explore it that way, that's fine. Through in the memorial room, we have the active zone, which is where you can go and play. And you don't have to be under eight to play. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you fancy going and playing, you can go into the memorial room and be active. Or you can stay central in the middle of the trist in what we're calling the contemplative zone, which is where you listen to me talk for a bit, and then we do some interactive prayers to follow on. So I would encourage you to have a look. Don't just sit and talk. Have a look. At least have a look at something. Make it an active choice, not just taking what's given with no thought. So about two minutes, the music plays. As the music finishes... We'll all sit down wherever we are and do whatever we're doing. In around about 20 minutes' time, that music will play again, which is um, a sim- sim- signal if we'd like to come back together to finish the service sharing communion together. And that's for everybody. So hopefully somebody will be pre- prepared to nip out to the active zone and bring folk back from there at that point. I hope that kind of makes sense. And I hope that over the seven weeks, we'll get used to it and actually discover a different way of worshipping God. Thanks, Paul. reflection for those who have chosen to reflect by listening to me. It's a great story, isn't it? A story of two dejected pilgrims who head home along a dusty road. A journey that will probably take around about three hours. And the unexpected arrival of a stranger who fully entered into their conversation gently taking over and redirecting their thoughts. The preparation of a meal, the gathering around a table, the moment of recognition and the sudden transformation from sorrow to joy. It is a great story. And yet, if we're not careful we can reduce it to little more than a feel-good fairy tale. A kind of happy ever after for Cleopas and companion, whether that was a friend or a wife or whoever it was. Which isn't actually what the Gospel tells us. And it's not what our own experience tends to show us. Cleopas, like many others had thought that Jesus might be the one to redeem Israel, the one who might overthrow the occupying Romans, the one who might achieve liberation for those who felt most keenly the weight of rejection. This was their hope. And this hope was dashed when Jesus was arrested and executed. And this hope was not renewed by the resurrection or by the emergence of what would become the Christian church. That hope, that hope of Jesus as a military liberator or a political liberator had gone for good. There was no going back. The longed-for, dreamed-of Israel remained just that. Instead, what would emerge was a new and different hope, still vested in Jesus and still firmly rooted in the everyday reality that, in many ways, nothing had changed at all. It's a great story. It's condensed to around about 500 words in the Bible. It covers events that lasted maybe eight to ten hours in total. 
what we see is a kind of high-speed version of a journey that has a positive outcome and seemingly a happy ending. And as such, perhaps it has an air of unreality about it, because surely, surely our experience tells us that it takes days, weeks, months, or even years to process such catastrophic loss of hope and move forward. The work of grief and the quest for meaning or understanding, these all take time. And there is a risk, however small, that we can read a story like this and end up feeling as if we're failures because we can't just get over it that quickly. We can't make sense of our own experiences or the events that go on around us. And we don't find ourselves joyfully skipping out in the dark to share good news with other people. So as we read the story, we're wise to do so carefully, noting the form of the metaphorical journey that's undertaken and avoiding simplistic, superficial interpretation or application. I want to invite you in a moment to identify an experience that you have had where you felt a devastating sense of hopelessness. It could have been a bereavement. It could have been the end of a relationship. It could have been a medical diagnosis. It could have been the outcome of the referendum or an election the failure of ambition, or something else. I want you to try to call to mind one such experience of devastating loss of hope. And try to remember how it felt. How did it feel in your body, in your heart, in your mind, and spiritually in your relationship with God? You're not going to share it with anybody else. It's just internal. So be honest with yourself. Let the feelings emerge. And in your own heart, acknowledge them. It's in such a place of desolation that the journey begins. Not a chosen journey, not one planned or expected, but one that we have to take. Can you recall any of the thoughts or questions that went through your mind? Can you remember the what-ifs or if-onlys, the why Or why not? The quest for a reason, the longing to turn back time, whatever it may have been for you. And as you journeyed, metaphorically, weighed down by that pain and emotion, who was it who came alongside you? Who? Stranger or friend? family or whoever else it may have been helped you to process that experience. Who did you allow in? Who did you permit to ask you questions? To offer alternatives? To speak truths that maybe were hard to hear but nonetheless were essential to moving onward. Who shared your journey into that dark, dark night?
The destination was reached. Cleopas was home and invited the stranger to stay a while, to share a meal and to rest. It was in that ordinary place, familiar and constant despite all that had shifted around them, that recognition occurred. That they realised a burden had been lifted. That Jesus had travelled with them. And just as fleetingly he was gone. Did we? Or can we recognise Jesus in those who share our journeys from grief to comfort? Devastation to resolution. Hopelessness to hope. Because just maybe this is the miracle. That unrecognised and coming to us in the guide of a therapist or a supervisor a nurse or a neighbour, a friend or even a stranger. Jesus has been with us all along. Gently challenging our misunderstandings. Carefully showing us new ways of seeing or hearing or feeling. Can you Dare you glimpse Jesus in the person or persons of whom you thought? And now he's gone. At least he's gone from view, for he promised he would never actually leave us. And we must journey on. In a sense, nothing's changed. The result of the referendum or the election still stands. The lost loved one won't return. The scars of surgery or the essential medication continue to remind us of the disease. The employment we enjoyed is no more Whatever it was, still is. The hopes and dreams we had cannot and will not magically be restored. But there is still hope. Chastened hope, perhaps. Less certain. Less ambitious. More cautious. We may never in this life find our happy ending. May never find ourselves skipping joyfully to announce our own good news. But, as the saying goes, while there's life, there's hope. And as another saying says, sometimes hope is all there is. The reflection this morning has intentionally been very personal and inward-looking, allowing the story of a devastated first-century follower of Jesus to guide us in exploring aspects of our own experience. It may well be that some of us are feeling strong emotions or experiencing physical symptoms as a result of that and need a place to lay those down, to hand them to God in prayer. And in just a few moments, we will have an opportunity to do that. As well as our own needs, though, we cannot help but be aware of events in the wider world and the seemingly hopeless situations in which others may find themselves. The financial crisis in Greece. The violent shootings of tourists in Tunisia. The growing concerns over the so-called Islamic State. 
the impact austerity measures and benefit cuts in our own nation, and many, many more. We do sometimes glimpse signs of hope in these situations. The refusal of the people at the church in Charleston to be bitter towards the man who shot their pastor. The Muslim hotel staff who stood between a gunman and tourists and were killed. So we may wish to pray for hope in these situations too. We're not going to use any words this morning for our prayers. Rather, Paul is going to play some music for us and if you would like to, you're invited to come forward to light a tea light as a symbol of hope, whether that's for yourself, for another person, for a place or a situation. The large candle, of course, represents the inextinguishable inextinguishable light of Christ. And from that, we will light our own lights of hope. If, as we're praying, you feel you want to sing along with the, the song, that's fine. If you prefer to remain in silence, that's fine too. But the words are just simply this. Within our darkest night, you kindle a fire that never dies away. Accept our prayers. Refresh our hope. And journey onwards with us. And with all people in all places. Amen.
respond together as we take up our offering as an act of worship. Loving and generous God, you search us and you know us, and you love us just the same. You are with us in the dark nights and the bright sunny days. And it's because of that that we bring our gifts to say thank you, and ask that you'd help us to spend them wisely, to continue to share those truths with ourselves and with others. Amen. At the end of a long and tiring and very emotional day. At the end of a series of long, tiring and very emotional days. Cleopas reached home, invited the stranger to stay and went inside. The meal prepared, they gathered to share. The guest Invited to do so, took the bread and intoned the prayer. And Cleopas remembered. But what did Cleopas remember? A picnic for 5,000 on a hillside? A dinner in the home of a reformed tax collector who gave away so much money? A meal hosted by a leprous Pharisee and a woman pouring perfume on a man's feet. A Passover Seder just days earlier in a borrowed room. Something in that simple act of breaking bread opened the inner eye of Cleopas to remember and recognize the person of Jesus to remember and to discern the body of Christ. And we are invited to do the same. Can we recall the very first time we shared in this memorial meal? Where were we? Who was with us? Can we recall other places and other people with whom we have shared? Can we remember and together discern the body of Christ? Can we remember and somehow glimpse the person of Jesus? Let's listen again to what are sometimes referred to as the comfortable words of the Apostle Paul as he remembered. 
For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so in this place, with these people on this day, we are invited to share bread and wine and to remember. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the gift of memory, allowing to us, us to experience again special moment from life's journey. Thank you for memories of meals shared and communion services experienced. Thank you for this bread and this wine. As we share them, may we find our hope renewed and ourselves refreshed for our continuing journeys. Amen. Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. And he shared it with his friends. And he said, when you eat bread... Remember me. And so we too will eat bread, eating as we receive. And we will share our own memories and make some new ones. At the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine and said to his friends, this is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, remember me. As is our custom here, we will retain our cups in order to drink together. And perhaps as we do so, we can take a moment to remember those with whom we have shared this special symbol over many, many years. It's a funny expression, isn't it? The body of Christ used to describe a group of people like us. People who come every week and people who come sometimes. People who think they understand and people who haven't got a clue, quite frankly, and are honest about it. People who are old and people who are young. But in each one of us, we glimpse something of Jesus. And together, we are the body of Christ in this place. And so let's drink together, hopefully and in gratitude. We remember that Jesus died. We remember that Jesus the Christ arose and we continue to hope for the fullness of Christ's eternal kingdom of Shalom. Amen.
God, present with us in the whole of life, sharing our joys and our sorrows, bless us, we pray, with hope enough to sustain us for the day ahead. And may we too bless others as bearers of hope, now and always. Thank you.